Father, now we come to you. In that one name. There is no other name given under the heavens by which man can approach the living God. But the name of Jesus. We come by that one name. We come by that one way. There is no other way given to man to come to God other than through that one way. The blood and the body of Jesus Christ. Therefore, Father, we come by the name and by the word, the way you have shown us. And as we come, by faith, we humble ourselves. And we come under the Lordship of the Spirit of God. And even as we come under the Lordship of the Holy Spirit, by faith, we lift your word. When we acknowledge and accept the absolute infallible authority of your word. Because you said, I have magnified my word about all my name. This morning, Father, help us to magnify your word. We come under the Lordship of the Holy Spirit. Touch our ears with the blood of the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of this world that we may hear your voice. Cleanse our eyes with your balm that we may have seeing eyes. And I pray, Father, cleanse my lips with your holy fire that I may be worthy to speak your word. We cleanse all our lips with fire. That when we speak, your grace may be poured out. To that end, we commit ourselves. Spirit, soul, and body. Speak to us, O Lord. We, your servants, wait. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. As Paul says in Romans 12, 1, In light of God's mercy, I beg you. So in the light of God's mercy, I too beg you, whenever you have time, make time, listen to the messages which are preached through the week. Though we have messages around the world, the messages that are preached here are specifically specifically for the sheep that belong here because he knows us. So he gives us a word to give it to you. Don't miss. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, all together, the word may be one hour, 20 minutes. Okay? Three days. You have more than one hour, 20 minutes. Just listen. Just listen. Because the coming of the Lord is very near. And if it is delayed, it's only because of His mercy. Nothing can prepare us except the Word of God. Except the Word of God. Okay? So keep listening. Because what we are teaching, the fundamentals of the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. is Because how does the kingdom of God function? Because the kingdom of God rules over all the affairs of men. 
that does not mean its power is manifested in our lives unless we understand it and by faith acknowledge it and enforce it in our own lives. That's why God says, my people perish because of lack of knowledge, that ignorance of who he is and how his kingdom works. So the last three days of last week, we looked at an important concept in the kingdom of God. When people are standing before God for judgment, and this is what God says to some of them. He says, you are faithful in little things. You are faithful in small things. Faithfulness. In the kingdom of God, God is not asking you to be successful. That's the world. You are measured by your success. In the kingdom of God, you are measured by your faithfulness. Faithfulness. So God says, be faithful in little things. Be faithful in small things. And you know what he is told? Well done, my good and faithful servant. Because you were faithful in little things, take charge. Be ruler of. For one year, two years, no, for eternity. Take charge. Receive power and authority for eternity. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Didn't we sing that today? At his right hand, the pleasures and his fullness of joy. Everybody is not going to enter into it. There are levels into which we enter. You know who are going to enter into the fullness of his joy? Those who are faithful. Little things and small things. Okay, That's why we need to understand because we go to the world, we live in the world, we hear from the world and we get our orders all, all upside down. And the kingdom of God is diametrically opposite to this world. We may major in the things of the world and be extremely successful in the things of the world and end up as a pauper in heaven. Pauper in heaven. On the other hand, you understand the kingdom of God and you are faithful in those little things that have been committed to you. And you understand before the king of kings and the lord of lords and you are mind blows apart when you hear him say, well done. Well done. Good and faithful servant. So get these fundamental principles. There are certain things which we have to settle in our life. These things have to be settled. That's why I look at those children and I love them. Because our children will do good. But keep them close to God. So these fundamentals about faithfulness, the awesomeness of God's mercy, God's faithfulness. Why is it so important? Because you know why we are all seated here? Because God is faithful. That's a fundamental core part of his character. God is faithful. Not we are faithful. It is written, even though we are unfaithful, he is still faithful because he cannot deny himself because that's who he is. And therefore God wants us to be like him. Like him. How is he? Faithful. And he says, start with those little things. Be faithful in those little things. Don't miss those things. It doesn't matter what you are caught in. Do not miss your time with God every day. Learn to rise up early in the morning. Spend that time with God. I wouldn't say read, because there are a lot of people listening. I would say listen. If it was read, it would be terrible, because it is written. Faith comes from 
hearing. So I'm telling you, I'm telling you, there are lots of people in the world, a huge majority, who cannot read. And God in his goodness, in his mercy, in his faithfulness said, faith comes from hearing. So if you can read, read. If you can hear, hear. But hear. Don't ever play games with these two things. Your prayer and your word life. Don't. The price will be paid in this life and in eternity. Don't negotiate with anything with that. And I'm telling you, you do that. You will have a strength which only can come from above. So keep these things in your mind. Who is God? Who is God? Go to Exodus 34. And we'll read from verse 5 onwards. Okay, Listen carefully. And even as you listen, mumble this prayer, Lord. Give me hearing ears. Help me to understand. Understand. Apostle Peter says, the things which prophets of the Holy Spirit wanted to understand and could not understand was revealed to us. Do you know for a fact that you understand more today scripture, if you are willing, than more than David or Moses? Because it's given to the new covenant to be unlocked. So don't ever disregard these things. It's an awesome honor. All those people who lived for 4,000 years before Christ came, they did not have it. And it's given to us. It's given to us. So here it is. Because Moses wanted to know God, his name. This is what God said. The Lord descended in the cloud, stood with him there, proclaimed the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord. What is God's name? The Lord passed by before him and proclaimed. This is his name. What is it? The Lord. The Lord God. Don't, don't read it fast. Go slowly. The first thing is Lord. Second thing is Lord God. And that's our struggle. On the day of Pentecost, when Apostle Peter, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, stood there and preached to the people. And when was their heart cut? When the end of his sermon, he said, This Jesus, whom you crucified, God has made him Lord and Savior. He is the Lord. He is the master. One of the first things you have to settle in your life is the question of ownership. There is only one God. There is only one creator. There is only one owner. He owns everything. We own nothing. That's why we come with nothing and we go with nothing because we own nothing. If you do not settle the question of ownership, you will struggle all your life. If you settle this question very early in your life, I'm telling you, eyes haven't seen nor ears heard what God can do to you and through you. And one of the most powerful servants of God ever in Christendom human history is Apostle Paul. Because when Jesus met him on the road to Damascus, his first question, Lord, who are you? Jesus said, Jesus of Nazareth. Second question, what do you want me to do? I'm yours. You're the boss. I'm the servant. And no man after Jesus Christ has lived that way. The church is built on the foundation of the apostles. You know what? You can actually say it's built on the foundation of Apostle Paul. 
Because that man understood the concept about ownership. We don't belong to ourselves. We belong to God. One, by virtue of creation. That's why the Bible is different from every other book. It just starts with an emphatic statement. In the beginning, God created. Meaning, he is, was there before the beginning. He created everything. And Psalm 24 and verse 1 says, everything belongs to God. Everything is yours. So there's only one honor. And we are all his. We belong to him. Settle this question first. The lordship of Jesus Christ. Every day. Every day. It's not one time. Yes, one time. And after that, every day. And it begins every day. The moment your eyes open in the morning, the battle of ownership begins. Who do you belong to? Your body says, go to sleep. The spirit says, rise. Meet your Lord. Meet your father. Every day, the battle is over ownership. And if you haven't settled that day, the question of ownership, I'm telling you, you will struggle. You will struggle. That question has to be settled. Lord, one Lord. You are Lord. Settle that. So here is his name. And then, merciful, gracious, long-suffering. Abundant in goodness and truths. That Lord, that God who owns everything, what is his first facet of his character revealed to us? Merciful, gracious. You need to ask yourself, why is it so? Why is it so? You see, in heaven, the angels don't say, merciful, merciful, merciful. No, they say, holy, holy, holy. On earth, People cry out, mercy, mercy, mercy. His facet of his mercy is not revealed in the heavens. It is only towards us and not for the angels. When Satan and one third of the angels rebelled, there was no mercy for them. There was no mercy for them. But when we sinned and we, when we fell, you know what? He came as one of us and died for us so that God could show his mercy. So never, ever discount mercy. That is, that is keeping us alive. And as we go further, we will understand why the value of mercy. And you will value the mercy of God above everything else. You will understand when the scripture says his mercies are new every morning. We will ask, why should I need his mercy every morning? Therefore, there it is. Let's go further. Keeping mercy for Thousands. And because of his mercy, what does he do? Forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. The three things that define the fallen man. Iniquity, transgression and sin. Will by no means clear the guilty. He cannot clear the guilty because he's a righteous God. He's a holy God. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children. Upon the children's children. Unto the third and the fourth generation. And Moses made haste. Bowed his head toward this earth and worship. And he said, if I have found grace in thy sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray thee, go among us. For it is a stiff-necked people. And pardon our iniquity and our sin. And take us for 
your inheritance. This is his prayer for his people. Okay. But go to verse 7. In verse 7, God says something strange. Okay. He says, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. I said, I will forgive your iniquity, your transgression, and your sin. But I will visit something in that. I'll visit your iniquity. I'll visit your iniquity. From generation to generation to generation, your iniquity will visit you. When we say up to the fourth generation, it doesn't stop in the fourth generation unless a man is able to stand in the fourth generation and cut it away. It is not going to stop. It continues. That's what he says will visit you. What is it? Iniquity. Mystery of iniquity. In Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 7. For the mystery of lawlessness, this word. It's a mystery. KJV will use the word iniquity. Iniquity is basically lawlessness. The, it's a mystery. The mystery of iniquity is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. This is the truth. Now go to Revelation chapter 10 and verse 7. But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, that's lying in the future. In the future, these angels will start sounding their trumpets in the heavenlies and a lot of things will happen on earth. Plagues and judgments will start rolling out. But when the seventh angel sounds the trumpet, the mystery of God would be finished. The mystery of God would be finished. As he has declared to his servants, the prophets. All the mysteries that has been spoken and sounded by the prophets from Abel onwards, the mystery of the blood. And to, through Enoch, the mystery of his second coming. Every servant and prophetic voice has been sounding the mysteries of God. But when the seventh prophet sounds, the um, angel sounds, the mystery will be finished. Mystery actually means hidden. Which is, can only be revealed by God, by his spirit. Mystery. So in the Bible, there are mysteries. And these are the mysteries of God. And only God can unlock, unravel the mystery. Like Daniel was shown many things, but Daniel himself did not understand it. And for thousands of years, men and women of God have been breaking their heads to understand the mysteries that was given to Daniel. But when it was given, God said, the book is sealed until the time of the end. Then it will be opened. What is sealed it cannot be opened. And Apostle Paul in the vision in heaven sees that scroll and he weeps because nobody was found worthy to unseal. And then said, don't weep. Somebody has been found worthy. Who is that? The lamb that was slain. Christ is the only one who is worthy to unlock. He's the only one who is worthy to unlock. So I pray you have hearing ears. Not the ears of flesh. The ears of spirit. And seeing eyes. The mysteries. And all the mysteries 
are actually under two headings. In 1 Timothy 3.16, you have, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Great is the mystery of godliness. What is this mystery? God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in, in the world, and received up into glory. It's a mystery. What is that mystery? Jesus and the church. This is a mystery. The world will not understand it. Both Jesus and the church that is in him is part of the mystery of godliness. And that mystery is great. He was taken up in glory, so will the church be taken up in glory. But it's a mystery. It's a mystery of godliness. And then the portion we saw, 2 Timothy, sorry, 2 Thessalonians 2, 7, for the mystery of iniquity. Side by side, another mystery is working. It's the mystery of iniquity. Technically speaking, and that should be what shit is true, out there in the world, there's this mystery of iniquity working from lawlessness to lawlessness. And there should be a mystery working in us from godliness to godliness, from faith to faith, from strength to strength, from glory to glory. Though the outer man perishes, the inward man is being renewed from glory to glory in the very image of God. Godliness to godliness. These are two mysteries that are working. So even as you see the world, the other mystery working, be careful that you also look into yourself. And see the other great mysteries working inside. Otherwise we are in trouble. Honestly we are in trouble. So there are these two things working. The mystery of godliness. Which we saw in Timothy 2.16. The mystery of godliness was personified in Jesus. God became flesh. And walked among us. And we behold his glory. Full of grace. And full of truth. And out of his grace. We have received blessing upon blessing. That's a mystery of godliness. Which was personified in Jesus Christ. In the same way. Mystery of iniquity. Also is getting ready to be personified. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, words 7, 8 onwards. And the lawless one will be revealed. When the Lord will, whom? The Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. With all power, signs and lying wonders. And? Yeah. With all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. Before Jesus came, from righteous Abel onwards, every prophet was prophesying and pointing to Jesus' coming. The final prophet in the Old Testament and the greatest, therefore, was John the Baptist, who through the Spirit said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. So there were prophets in a chain of succession pointing to the coming of Jesus Christ. There's the same parallel 
on the other side. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 18. 1 John 2, 18. <clears throat> I didn't give it. Two eighteen. Little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard, the Antichrist shall come. He shall come. Even now, there are many Antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time. There have been a chain of these Antichrists, but they are just pointing to the one who will come. Like every prophet was pointing to Jesus Christ, including Moses said, God will send a prophet just like me. Be careful you obey him. You don't get away. You can disobey me and get away, Moses is saying. You can disobey him and get away. In the same way, there have been antichrists. Those are against Christ. The antichrist is coming. That is the personification of iniquity. It is coming. How will this happen? It will happen. This is the mystery of iniquity. Mystery. It is hidden. It is working side by side. The mystery of godliness and the mystery of iniquity is working side by side. So when you hear this term iniquity, it is not the same as transgression. We know what it is to transgress, which means to cross a line that has been drawn, transgressed. Sin, we understand, there is a perfect norm. You fell short of it. That is sin. But iniquity is a very strange word. So even in our regional languages, if you pick any language, the translation of iniquity is a very difficult because our Gentile cultures never had the concept of iniquity. But we understand equity. Iniquity means out of balance. Equity means in balance with God. You're on the same page with God. Simple. I'm trying to simplify it. Okay, Simplify it. Equity means balance. Iniquity means out of balance. It doesn't matter whether you are out of balance with the whole world. You need to be, be balanced with God. Because it is appointed unto every man to die once. After that is, you stand before him. And that day, the only thing that will matter is iniquity or equity. Peace with God or peace without God. Without God, you cannot have peace. Get these pictures clearly, okay? So, iniquity is a very, very important term in Christendom. If you don't understand this concept about iniquity, we will not understand the concept about mercy and God's faithfulness. And therefore, we will not understand why the psalmist who understands it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. And his courts with praise. To give thanks in all If we do not understand iniquity, we will not understand all these other related things. And we grumble, we gripe, we forget to give thanks. We, we thought we don't understand this. And looking back, recapping, iniquity did not start on earth. Iniquity started in the heavenlies. There was the third heaven, there was the second heaven, and this is the visible First heaven. For us, first. For God, third. Okay. For us, God's heaven is the highest heaven. So, God had created a whole set of spiritual beings called angels. 
one set of the angels, one third of them, rebelled against God because that is what iniquity does. Iniquity will make you a rebel. That's how you become lawless. So all these western movies where you have outlaws did not begin on earth. It began in heaven. Okay. Okay. The original outlaw's name was Lucifer. Okay. He was the original outlaw. Okay. He was one of those archangels. One of those prime archangels created by God. When he was, remember he was created by God. He is not the creator. He was created by God. And he fools everybody saying he is the creator. That's the first lie. Deception of religion. There is he, full of wisdom, full of beauty and all. And in Ezekiel 28 and verse 15, the Bible says, You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created. So the devil had a beginning and he was created till iniquity was found in you. Iniquity was found in him. So that's where it started. Iniquity was found in him. And verse 17 will tell us what is the nature of this iniquity. It says, your heart was lifted up. You are proud. Lifted up. Anything. In his case, because of his beauty, his wisdom, his riches, the way God created, his heart was lifted up. That's the nature we have got when we believed him. Our heart gets lifted up of some accomplishment. Anything it can be real or imagined. The problem is the heart is lifted up. The heart is lifted up. And when the heart is lifted up, what is its manifestation? What is the manifestation of a proud heart or a proud person? How does it manifest? Like you diagnose a disease by its symptoms. If there are no symptoms, you may not even know you have a disease. Right? That's why some of us may have got COVID. We don't know whether we got COVID or not. We showed no symptoms. We took no vaccination. We came through singing. But that does not mean you did not have it because you did not go and check it out. And if you checked it out, you may find out maybe you had it. But it didn't manifest. But these things manifest. Okay? So if you go over there in Isaiah chapter 14... This is, okay, he is cast down. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations, you? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. This is how it does. If you want to understand this, this is what it means yet. Okay, this is what happens. Go to verse 13 and 14. This is what happens. In his pride, first he says, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. The stars of God does not mean the stars of God. It means the other angels. And especially the other angels. They also have thrones. Thrones means authority and power. Michael is there. Gabriel is there. There are lots of archangels. And he was one among them. But he said, you know what? I will not be one among them. I will be above them. I will be above them. Two, he says, I will be just like God. 
Basically, what pride does is it makes you lawless. I will not come under anybody. I am God. God is the only person who is under nobody. And he says, I'll be under nobody. I'll pick and choose. It is not that that person is not under anybody. I will pick and choose who I will be under. If it suits me, yes. If it doesn't suit me, no. So you are God. You are God. This is iniquity. This is the iniquity that Adam and Eve swallowed. He came and told in the garden to the first couple, he told them, if you eat, you will be like And they ate and they became like God. In the warped way, they are under nobody. They became lawless. They became lawless. Iniquity came. It is not that they sinned, yes. It is not that they transgressed, yes. Sin and transgression can be taken care of. But iniquity is something else. Iniquity is the nature of the devil. It's a nature, you can't do anything with it. And Solomon in the book of uh, Proverbs in 7, Ecclesiastes 7, not Proverbs 7, 13 says, Consider the work of God, for who can make straight what he has made crooked? You cannot. As soon as they disobeyed God, God's loss came into being, and every man became crooked in in Adam before they were born. Through one man, Romans 5.12 will say, through one man, sin entered and death entered. All will die. How do you know this is true? Because all of us sitting here will die. Every man dies. That's exactly the proof the word of God is true. The wages of sin is death. You can postpone it. You can do whatever you want. But every man will die, including Methuselah. Will die. Why should I die? Why should I die? The reason is, through one man, sin came in. Through one man, everyone died. What causes death? Iniquity causes death. That is what the godly man called David, standing there and he's stunned and he's asking Understanding this concept. It is through David we actually understand these things in Psalm 51, verse 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. And in sin my mother conceived me. It's got nothing to do with the mother conceiving and all. It's not what he's saying. He's saying, when I was born, I was born bent. I was born bent. You know what? I sinned. Because I am bent. That's my nature. Was brought forth in iniquity. All of us. Everybody. Some sin less. Some sin more. All sin. Because that's where we born. Bent. I was born forth. Brought forth in iniquity. And this is a godly man. This is not an ungodly man. This is after those terrible things which he did. And you see, I mean, I, I guess these are all our personal experiences, right? We know the truth, we have heard it, and then we do terrible things, and then certain time back in the, later in time, we look back and ask, how did I do those things? 
This is David, a man after God's own heart, who had hidden God's word in his heart that he may not sin against him, standing back in the old middle age or later in his life and thinking, I took another man's wife, I raped her, I killed her husband, I lied, I deceived. How did I do this? How did I do this? And he reasons, that is my nature. Many of us do not do many things only because of the restrictions. God is not going to judge us or the judge the world by what we have done. God will judge the world by what they are capable of doing. Every one of us is capable of being worse than David. Because that's man's nature. I was brought forth in iniquity. Shaped in iniquity. Shaped in iniquity. And that's what Second Thessalonians 2, 10 and 11 is talking about. With all unrighteousness among those who perish because they did not receive the love of truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie. Why don't people come out of their iniquity and sin? Because they believe a lie that they are actually good and they do some bad things. He says, no. Before you can be set free, you need to know the truth. The truth, you are actually bad and you do a few good things. And you are all headed towards hell where there is no presence of God unless God steps in and intervenes and deals with our iniquity. And the issue is iniquity. The issue with iniquity is this. We will believe the lie about ourselves. I'm not so bad as that one. Ultimately, God will take everyone to heaven. We'll be judged by our works. No, not a single work is not going to be judged until iniquity is judged first. We have believed this lie. And simply because we did not receive the love for the truth about who God is and who I am in God's sight. It's like the nursery rhyme we used to teach our little children, right? Policeman, policeman, don't arrest me. Arrest him because I stole silver but he stole gold. The law doesn't work like that. You Steal a chicken or silver or gold. The law calls you a thief. This is the problem. Iniquity. And Apostle Paul is a new covenant man who understands this. In Romans 7 and verse 19 he says, For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not do, that I practice. Every night you go to sleep, you'll say, tomorrow morning is the day. Pastor is going to be proud about me. I will wake up early in the morning and I will pray and I will worship and I will walk in holiness. Nothing happens. What happened? You were not shaped that way. You were shaped in another way. You were shaped another way. The resolutions we made on New Year's Day night, watch night service. The problem is after that night, nobody watched over those resolutions. Resolutions are made. Resolutions are broken. And we despair. You know why? We are bent. Things 
Come to verse 24 and 25. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? This is a man who really searches himself. You need to search yourself. Don't whitewash your like yourself. Don't look like this man who looks in the full-length mirror and pulls his stomach in and says six packs. No, it is not. It is a family pack. Be honest. No. That's what the Bible says. You look into the mirror and you forget what you want. You are a fool. You need to search your own heart. I need to search my heart. We need to ask ourselves, Lord, because you need to have a standard of what God is demanding. The standard is God himself. It's not your neighbor. It's not your spouse. It's not your children. It's not the good man in your church or the best woman in the church. No, the standard God demands to enter into heaven, into eternity, is he himself. There's only one standard. The standard is God. Then you will understand what holiness is and the power of iniquity. That I am bent. I can never reach that standard. It is impossible. So this man cries, wretched man I am. We know who this man is. This is a man who said about himself, according to the law, blameless. Wretched man I am. And then in 25 he says, I thank God. Who can deliver me? I thank God through our Lord. Jesus Christ. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Again, last night also, if you had, you could, if you could spare some of your precious time and watch the Q&A last night. Because you are all busy people, tongue in cheek. You know. I mentioned Isaiah 53. The entire Old Testament is held together by Isaiah 53. And that is why even now, Orthodox Jews will read Isaiah 52 and go to 54. They will not read Isaiah 53. Because it's a struggle for them to reconcile Isaiah 53 and what they are expecting. But Isaiah 53 is a chapter you should meditate upon all your life. Still, we will never fully understand it. It is talking about God's intervention into man's life through his son, Jesus Christ. What lens he has to go to get out of that way we are headed towards hell and eternity without him. So one of the most powerful chapters in the entire Bible. Even if you read the whole New Testament, the four Gospels, and see the life and the death and the sufferings of Jesus Christ, you will not understand unless you read Isaiah 53 what is happening. You will not understand. It is What is happening here in time is revealed in Isaiah 53. What is happening? What is God doing? And it begins with Isaiah 53, verse 1. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? It begins. Who has believed our report? This is the frustration of every preacher from the beginning. Who, even today, at the end of the day, I will wonder, who has believed my report? Did you believe? What I'm saying? Or like Agrippa and Felix, at an opportune time, Apostle Paul, I will call you back. That time may never come. Because the Bible is very clear. This day, when you hear my voice, don't harden your heart because tomorrow is not promised. If you have doubts, ask those 150 plus kids 
in the Halloween party in South Korea. They didn't have tomorrow. And they were in the wrong party. The arm of the Lord. To whom is the arm of the Lord being revealed? What is this arm of the Lord? Why does the arm of the Lord come over and over in scripture? Let's go before that to Isaiah 59, verse 12 to 14, and see the entire issue over here. For our transgressions are multiplied before you. You need to realize it's not like what we see. In the spiritual realm, nothing is hidden. Your transgressions are multiplying, 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 multiplying. You don't know there is a cup there and it is full. The day it is full, God says, take him out. No one knows what the day is because you don't know how it is filling up there. And our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us. And as for our iniquities, we know them. Yeah. In transgression and lying against the Lord, departing from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood. This is the state of God's own nation called Israel. And if you read verse 14, this is, a, remember long ago we preached on this, a very important words. Justice is turned back. This is not justice. Everybody is saying it's not fair. It's not fair. Justice is turned back. And righteousness stands far off. For truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. Equity wants to enter. But I am full of iniquity. And the reason I am full of iniquity is because I have believed a lie. What is the reason for all this? Because truth is fallen. I like it in Hindi. Bazaar mein satya gir gaye. There's so many things that God wants to bring into our life. He wants justice. He wants righteousness. He wants equity. But none of this is going to happen to a person who has believed a lie. That fundamentally I am good. It is going to happen to only a man who looks in the mirror and cries out like Apostle Paul, wretched man that I am. He is blameless according to the law. Wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And then God says, I will. I will. This is the actual state. Equity cannot enter. This is the situation. Equity is not able to enter. And then verse 16, what does God say? He saw there was no man and wondered there was no intercessor. Nobody is able to stand in the gap and help the sinners. So what did he do? His own arm brought salvation for him and his own righteousness, it sustained him. So who is his right hand? It is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the right hand of God. He's the right arm of God. He's the strength and the power of God manifest to mankind. So that's why the Isaiah 53 begins and says, who has believed our report? Who has believed our report? Who has believed our report? Yeah, Isaiah 53.1. Who has believed our report? Who has, to whom has been revealed the arm of the Lord? And then he begins from verses 3 to 5. He, Jesus, 
is despised and rejected by men. He's despised and rejected by men. He's one of the most mocked persons today. You can mock Buddha. The Buddhists will kill you. You can mock Moses or Muhammad. They will finish you off. You can't mock any of the Hindu gods. They will come after you. You can despise Jesus, whatever you want. Till last night, last in US, a young boy is standing and reading from the Bible. They came, they took the Bible, they ripped the Bible into pages, and one woman took it and chewed it and ate it. You try it with any of the other religions. You will not get away with it. But he's still despised. He is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs griefs and our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, stricken by God and afflicted. This is the final stage of his life hanging on the cross. It's God who is doing it. Yes, let's go further. He was wounded for our transgressions. He never transgressed. He never broke the word of his father. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement for our peace so that we would be freed, forgiven of our sin, that is peace, was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. We are healed. Do we see what happened on the cross? Do we see what is even now happening with Christ? Verses 10 and 12. Yeah, verse 6. Oh yeah, let's go to verse 6. Verse 6. All, until you include yourself and myself in that all, you're not going to get out of this trap. All, we all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. That's why iniquities are mentioned. Though fundamentally iniquity is like one, how it manifests can be different. What is that? Going our own way and not God's way. We have gone our own way. And what did God do? God, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Iniquity of us all. Verse 10 and 12. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He was bruised for our iniquities. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see his seed. When Jesus was dying on the cross, the Bible says he endured the cross, despised his shame for the joy that was set. He knew one day he would have a set of people who would believe him. That was his seed, his children who would be born of God because of him. He saw that. That's why always this is called a new birth, birth pangs. You know, all these things are used from our experience. God talks about what it is to be born of God. Born of God. If you don't understand this, if you don't understand our nature, we will not understand God's mercy. 
Every morning, for every human being that is alive today, God is merciful. Because by the nature of iniquity, he should cut us out. Because we are bent towards evil. If we do not do evil only because restrictions were put over there. As soon as the restrictions are removed, even the best of man will become a base man. That's what David realized. The best of man without God is just man. And that's why God says his mercies are new every morning. Because he's not dealing with us according to our iniquity. You have to read scripture. You have to read scripture. As a father pities his son, God pities us. Because he looks at that. You know, we have these little ones at the back. Why do they do the things which they do? Because that's how they are born. Do you think all the little ones woke up in the morning, Mommy, I humbly submit to you. Please get me ready for church. No! They are warped towards disobedience. And they don't even know it. Why are they like that? Because that's the nature. That's the nature. You don't have to do anything to a man to send him to hell. Just leave him alone. He will go himself. Because that is the nature of man. Bent in iniquity. Hell bent. Literally hell bent. That is iniquity. Hell bent. You don't have to do anything to his children to make him a criminal. Just leave him alone. That's why parents are put over there. They are the law of God in that child's life until this child encounters Jesus and is trained and learns to walk himself or herself on with God. That's the only purpose of the law. And in so many ways, parents are put there as lawmakers in the house and then you go outside, there are other laws there. Get this picture very, very clearly. Because David was a person who understood He understood. And that's why in Psalm 51 and verse 1, you know what David says? Have mercy upon me. According to your loving kindness. Please, Lord, have mercy. I'm appealing upon your name. This is who you are. Merciful, gracious, loving kindness. According to to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. And cleanse me from my sin. All three he brings it. Lord, please help me. Help. This is an ordinary man, okay? It's an extraordinary man who understands his nature. And he says, Lord, would you deal with these three things in my life? My iniquity, my transgression, my sin. In verse 2, he will say, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. But he realizes there is a recurring problem. Is there anybody who has a recurring problem who says, I keep doing the things over and over again which I should not be doing? If you are honest, lift your hand. I am lifting my hand so you can have courage to live. Not like this, like this. Isn't it true? And he understands. You see, you can forgive me of transgression. You can forgive me of my sins because you're a merciful God. But my desire is, I don't want to go that way. And I'm not going to keep going that way unless you deal with something deeper in me. You have to deal something deeper in me. In verse 10, he, an old covenant saint, narrows on to the new covenant truth. What does he say? He doesn't say, clean my heart. 
He says, create in me a clean heart. The Bible talks about the heart being the core of your personality. That's who you are. Out of the heart proceeds everything. So he says, you know what? Create a new heart, a clean heart. You know what it is? It's a new birth. Create a new heart. Create a new heart. Not my old heart, my old nature is bent. Education is not going to change it. Knowledge is not going to change it. Discipline is not going to change it. The nature of the old man is bent. And the only way I can get out is, you make me new. Give me a new heart. Create in me a new heart and let it be a clean heart. Meaning the old heart is dirty. Make me a new person. Not remodeling. Creating a new person. That's what God is in the business of. If he doesn't do that, you know what? He has to destroy every man. He has to destroy every man. If he doesn't do that. If I don't allow him to do that to me, he has to destroy me. That's why in Galatians 6.15 it says, because humanity is divided under heavens into two groups, the circumcised and the uncircumcised. You know what it says? In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. The only thing matters is, are you a new creation? Your outward things about religion are irrelevant before God. God says, are you part of the old creation, which is under judgment? which will be burned off and the people will be thrown into the lake of fire because they refuse to be go the way God wanted or are you part of the new creation? The only thing that matters is a new creation. A new creation. That's what Nicodemus understands. That's why he comes in the night and says, uh, Master, we know you are from God. Otherwise, Jesus said, let's get to the brass tacks. With a Samaritan woman who is a simple lady, I have time with you. There's no time to waste. Unless you are born again. Unless you are born again. You cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you are born of water and the spirit. You cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Because flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. Do we understand? Let's go to the next one. 34-7. Yeah. Exodus 34-7. Keeping mercy for thousands and forgiving iniquity and visiting iniquity. Then only we will understand. This iniquity is what is transferred over and over and over. That nature is transferred. It's like a, it's like a, Spiritual disease. Your father had it, which is transmittable. You get it. You cannot escape it. You get it. And this is our spiritual DNA. Iniquity is our spiritual DNA. And verse 8 and 9, Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped and he said, Lord, if I have found grace in thy sight, let my Lord, I pray thee, go among us for it is stiff-necked people and pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for your inheritance. 
That is all they could ask in the old covenant because iniquity could not be dealt in the old covenant until Jesus came. That's why in the old covenant, your sins were covered. In the new covenant, your sins are removed. And there is a huge difference between the two. The greatest of the old covenant prophets of men, born of woman, was John the Baptist. But he says the least in the kingdom of God is greater than him because the least in the kingdom of God has broken the power of iniquity by new birth. John did not have it. Privileges of the new covenant. And then in verse 12 and 13, God tells him something. Okay. Take heed to thyself, lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you are going, lest it be for you a snare in the midst of the... He says you're going into the land. This is a physical picture for we need to understand. God is taking us to a new life. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. Jesus has come to give us life that is the life of God. As you are progressing into that life, deal with the inhabitants of your old nature. Deal with them with an iron hand. And there are six mentioned here. Pastor Vijay taught about seven nations that were in the promised land where Joshua was told to finish every one of them, leave no remnants. You cannot deal with, you cannot leave one thing of your old nature. Every morning you have to rise up and reckon yourself dead. Then only you can live. Finish them off. And then, 13, you shall destroy their altars, break their images, and cut down their groves. You know how it is? This is an altar. And there are images. And it is surrounded by trees or a grove. This altar is called iniquity. The images are your sins. And your transgressions is the covering that you keep around it. But what empowers is the altar. Empowers is the altar. Pictures in the Old Testament about the reality that we face. That you can cut the grave, groves, you can throw the images. But as long as you don't deal with the altar, the images will come back and the groves will grow back again. You have to deal with the altar. You have to deal with the altar. And those altars are powerful. Very powerful. Those altars are very, very powerful. Because that altar signifies iniquity. And in Exodus 34, when he went in, in verse uh, 7, okay, one of the first altars you need to understand is, okay, visiting the iniquity of whom? Fathers. These are foundational iniquities. Your iniquity is not similar to my iniquity because your father and my father is different. My father, my grandfather, my great-grandfather. So there is this foundational iniquity that is transformed, transferred from one generation to another. It is not the same. Abraham was afraid and he lied that Sarah was his sister. Same situation. Isaac was afraid and lied. Rebecca was his sister. By the time you come to the third generation, Jacob is a acclaimed liar. By the time you come to the fourth generation, they are liars and murderers. It is that iniquity that is being passed down. And maybe the Canaanites among whom they are living may be better than them because their iniquity is different. So the foundational iniquity we have is the iniquity of the fathers that is passed on. 
That is why in the new birth, God is changing us and giving us a different father who is God. So the power of iniquity can be broken. You need to understand what new birth means. New birth meaning there is a difference. Because in the old birth, the devil is our father, whether you like it or not. Because his life we believed. But in the new birth, God is our father. That's the only way iniquity can be broken. There is no other way iniquity can be broken. The first step of breaking iniquity is a day it's a change of fatherhood. Change of fatherhood. The second is personal iniquity. Right? Jacob never said that his wives were his sisters. His father said, his grandfather said. But when it came to him, he had the iniquity of his father, but it manifested differently. He was a deceiver. He deceived his father. Right? Royally he deceived his father. Okay. So there is his foundational iniquity that is passed on from generation to generation. In your own generation, starting with Adam onwards and then branching out into our own lines. And then there is personal iniquity. Personal iniquity. Then me, let me tell you. Then there is national iniquity. It's not the same. I'm saying. I practically lived my life in two nations. So this effect of the iniquity of these nations will be upon my life. We have Sami from Nigeria. And we have Neville who's lived all his life in the U.S. It's not the same. It's national iniquity. God came to check on Sodom and Gomorrah. They had an iniquity that was different. The Canaanites, the Amorites had an iniquity that was different. So there is a foundational iniquity that is passed on from the fathers. There is a personal iniquity in which it branches out in your own life. And then there is this national iniquity which we all struggle with. If you have doubts, turn to Hosea chapter 7 and verse 1. I would have healed Israel. Then the iniquity of Ephraim was uncovered. He said, I have come to heal Israel. Then I saw one tribe is there called Ephraim. And their iniquity was revealed. So I stepped back until that is dealt with. So the iniquity of India is different from the iniquity of US. The iniquity of India is idolatry. Remember the Ten Commandments? Do not make any graven image of anything that is in above or below or below and you worship them. I will visit the iniquity. Our iniquity is idolatry. America's iniquity is not idolatry. It is rebellion. America was born by rebelling against their sovereign. It was birthed in rebellion. They did not have a freedom movement like ours, a non-violent freedom movement where the occupiers left peacefully. Theirs was born through rebellion. So rebellion is, that is why you will see, you will never see a mass of people under the sky who are rebels like Americans. And they don't know why they act like that way. You know what? It's a national iniquity. It's a national iniquity. I've seen extremely conservative families from Christian families in India. They go from here absolutely gung-ho, happy. They go to U.S. and six months later, the marriage is over. They are filing for divorce. The children are in CPS. Now, what happened? The national iniquity came upon you. And you did not know how to fight it. 
how to fight it. So what God is talking about, the mystery of iniquity. Mystery of iniquity. And he was bruised for our iniquity. And there are altars that empower. Altars that empower. There are demonic altars that empower iniquity. There are demonic altars or godly altars that empower godliness. Both are there. And one of the most beautiful examples is that three generations later, or two generations later, when Jacob is running from his father's house on the way to Haran, the sun has set. He has to go to sleep. He doesn't even have a pillow. So he takes a stone and puts his head on the stone and goes to sleep. And the Bible says the heavens opened. And the only reason heaven could open was because that stone was an altar his grandfather had built. So that altar is still operating. In blessing, I shall bless you. And in your seed, all nations shall be. So the altar was calling out and he's able to see. On the other side, a covenants, our forefathers who did not know God has made to idols and demonic entities and says, every firstborn in my line, every girl child in my line, every progeny down my line, I will give it to you. Give me prosperity. Give me fame. Give me honor. Give me victory. And the devil came and those altars are calling upon our lives. Calling upon our lives. Working against us. Because in the spiritual realm, you will see everything is real. There is no time. There is no time. That is why this call of God throughout about to get into Jesus and stay in Jesus. Stay in Jesus. Stay in Jesus. The only thing that was told to Israel before they got out of Egypt was, take the blood, put it on the lentils, the doorposts of your house, and stay in. Don't get out, because the destroyer is passing by. They had stayed out. It didn't matter whether it was the Egyptian or Israelite, the first one would have died. To Rahab the harlot, the same thing was told. Put that crimson ribbon over your house, and stay in. If you stay out, the blood is on us. If you stay in, now, if you stay out, the blood is on you. If you stay in, if anything happens, the blood is on us. God says, stay in. You know how difficult it is to stay in, to get people to stay in under the blood? Because there are altars that are empowering. There are voices that have made covenants. And they have a right. They have a right. Because our forefathers have made covenants. And only in Christ Jesus, the covenant is broken. In Christ Jesus, when Jesus said, it is paid in full, that's what it means. When the devil says, I want that one, Jesus says, no, redeemed. You cannot have that one. It's been paid. But this altar of his forefather cries out for him. He says, it's not done. It's been paid in full. His father has changed. God is his father. Altars. Get these pictures. So when God says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, oh no, how can you say that? For your safety of your soul. For the safety of your soul. What fellowship is with darkness and light? What fellowship is with the temple of God and idols? On the other altar, there are images. 
The other has God. The temple of the living God. You know how difficult it is? That's why Jesus said, you shall know the truth. The truth shall set you free. It doesn't matter your background if you do not know Jesus. It's irrelevant. To the best set of religious class of his life, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious hierarchy. You know what Jesus said? In John 84, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and a father of it. And they were mad. They just spoke the truth. There is nothing you can do. You are of your father, the devil. Because the day Adam believed him spiritually, he became Adam's father. Father is not one who created you. Father is the voice you obey. Otherwise, I cannot be your spiritual father. It is not just birthing. Birthing is an act of sex. Parenthood and childhood is an act of obedience. It is not the same. It is not the same. And that's what he's talking about. You're of your father, the devil. And his works you do. Why? You bend that way. But I am doing all good works only because there are laws. If there are no laws, you do the same thing. That's the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaks, he's from his own personal resources. What is that? Lies. Can we handle the truth? Can we handle the truth? You know what is the truth? According to God's word, which is truth. Romans 3.10 As it is written, there is none righteous, none, not one. There is not a single righteous person ever born under the sky. Never, ever, not one, except Jesus. And Jesus was righteous because he was born of God, not born of man. If he was born of man, he would have been born with iniquity. He could never become a savior. His nature would have been bent. That is why to Mary it was told, the spirit of God shall overshadow you and you shall conceive and he shall be called the son of the most holy one because iniquity is traced from father to father to father and Jesus' father was God. Therefore, there was no iniquity in him. So there is none righteous. Doesn't matter how good you may be outwardly. There is none righteous because righteousness is counted by the state of your heart. And in our heart, we are unrighteous. That's our nature. Born in sin. Shaped in iniquity. Brought forth in iniquity and shaped in sin. None righteous. Second truth. Can we accept? There is none who seeks after God. None who seeks after God, including me. If God hadn't met me 30 plus years ago in my hostel room at 11 in the night, I wouldn't have sought him. I didn't seek him. He sought me. Every one of you sitting here, if you were to acknowledge the truth, if you are born of God, it is the reason, not the reason you sought him. It's because he sought you and sent somebody who came to you and gave the gospel. He sought you out. You didn't seek him. Left to us, we will never seek him. Never seek him. Third one. 3.12 They have all turned aside. They have all together become unprofitable. There is none who does 
good. No, not one. Do you know what God's standard of good is? You should do good from the time you're born and consistently do good till you die. Consistently, 24 hours, 7, 24, 7. That's not good. We do, do good occasionally. And then put it on social media. The good we have done. You don't know Jesus. You don't <laughs> surrender to Jesus and he cleanses you out. On God's social media that day, your evil will be projected. And everybody will say, just are you a Lord, righteous are you a Lord to send them away from you. Second Thessalonians 2, 7. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now let it will let until he be taken out of the way. I'll make it simpler. Get that word mystery of iniquity. But let's have it in NKGV. That letteth and all becomes like lettuce. No, we found it. <laughs> found it difficult to read it or to eat it. That's KJV. Okay. For the mystery of lawlessness. That is iniquity. My nature is I'm lawless. Not law abiding. Lawless. Is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. Who's the restrainer? The Holy Spirit. There's a restrainer outside that is the law. There's a restrainer inside that is the Holy Spirit, which everybody doesn't have, only those who have been born. And then as you grow, you allow him lordship. That's why the Bible says, where the Spirit is Lord, there is liberty. Let me give you a simple example. Okay. As you are leaving the church, you get a text and you look, oh, traffic police Hyderabad. For the next seven days in Hyderabad, from 1st of November to 7th of November, no traffic rules will be enforced. See, automatically everybody's response. What is it? Why? Because when the law outside has been removed, there is no restrainer inside. There's no restrainer inside. And the fellow who has a restrainer inside will be knocked over by everybody. And they will all blame him. Why are you driving this way? And you say, no. That's basically what's happening. If you try to be godly in an ungodly world, they will all look at you and say, why are you living this way? You are a hindrance to us. Elijah is one godly man in that land, praying and seeking the face of God, walking before God. And when Ahab says, you troubler of Israel, this is me, trouble of Israel, you and your father's house. Let me get you a simple example. You're working in a government office in India, Hyderabad, anywhere, government office. There are 15 other employees and it's an office that deals with the public. You are righteous. What does it mean? It means your hands are always on the table. You know what it means, right? Your hands are not under the table. Everybody's hands are under the table. Your hands are on the table. You think they will love you? You will be very soon, you will get a remote location posting. Why? Why? The restrainer. The restrainer. The restrainer. You know what is going to happen? Daniel chapter 7 and verse 25. This is Antichrist when he comes. The Antichrist when he is revealed, when he comes. You know what he will do? He will speak 
pompous words against the Most High. You have seen many, many servants of the Antichrist with pastoral robes in U.S. speaking, God is for abortion. God is for the transgender. God is for the homosexual. They are speaking pompous words. What does he do? He shall persecute the saints of the Most High and shall intend to change times and law. How do you change the times? How do you, times doesn't mean time, the age you are living in. Okay? How do you change the times? By changing the law. All you have to do is change the law. And by the time 10 years, 15 years have passed by, the times have changed. Remember the old illustration? Take a pot of hot water, put a frog into it, it will jump out. Take a pot of cold water, put it on simmer, put the frog in, it will sit there and die. How do you change the times? By changing the law. Are you getting it? In 2015, very clear examples. In 2015, a landmark depraved judgment came from the Supreme Court of U.S. making same-sex marriage legal. Okay? What was changed? The law. What is the year now? 20? How many years have passed? You see, you change the law, you open a Pandora's box because you change the times. Now, nobody's talking about same-sex marriage. Now, what you're fighting is for the souls of your children in K1 where drag queens are coming in and Teaching your children about homosexuality and same-sex and transgender where children without the permission of the parents are being chemically castrated. How did it begin? Because you changed the law down there. And you know what has happened? That's what the devil will do. Change the times. If you look at a normal culture anywhere in the world, nobody even thinks homosexuality is wrong anymore. Are chalega jane do. That's what happens. What did happen? He changed the law and boom! You see everything falling apart. Everything falling apart. An entire civilization of a nation as it's celebrating, if I'm right, 400 years of its civilization found under a covenant under God has been blown apart in seven years. Where they now call evil good and good evil and any man of God who tries to speak forcibly against it is persecuted. The IRS comes against you. That's why Biden is hiring 80,000 new IRS agents to go after those who stand up for what is true. You need to be hiring border agents to shut down the illegal immigration. No, we know who we need to go after. Those who stand against our laws. Did you know what the president of U.S. said last week? It's a fundamental right for children to change their gender. Fundamental right? What does that kid know? Do you know it cannot be reversed? And many of those children who go through that process, by the time they reach their teens, they commit suicide because they cannot handle it. Because that's not the way you are made. Male and female, I have made them. In God's image. And that 
devil hates this image because he knows that is the image of God. So he wants gender fluidity. So on earth, the image of God is marred. You don't realize these laws are not against you. They are against primarily against God. And we were made in God's image. Do we understand the power of iniquity? What happens when the restrainer, when the law is removed, that's the restrainer outside, do you know what happens? The times change. Last two years, blue states, criminal reform, it's called reform. No cash bail. All criminals are released from the prison. Now you can walk in the subway in US, including yesterday. What did they do? They tweaked the law. And the times changed. Now people have accepted crime as a daily part of life. Slowly you will. And the laws have been changed where the criminal is not punished. What did you do? You changed the laws. You continue like that for a seven years. You know what is going to happen to the U.S.? To be like worse than a third world country. Why is it being done in all these nations? Because these are called the Christian nations. Do you understand? What happens when that restrainer is removed? Restrainer is removed. But we don't have to worry about the restrainer outside. We need to have the restrainer inside. That's a new covenant. One. I will write my laws in your heart. Two, the very person of God, the Holy Spirit, will come in and he will lead you into all truth. As long as you accept the lordship of the Holy Spirit, he says, it doesn't matter what dire situation you are in, you will have liberty. Liberty is not outside. Liberty is always inside. Do we have that? Daniel 6 verse 7 and then verse 10. The governors of the kingdom, the administrators, satraps, counselors, advisors have consulted together. It's telling the king, establish a royal statute to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. King was flattered with pompous words. This is pompous words. You know, it's been happening for Thousands of years. If you have a fool sitting on the throne, all you need to do is flatter him. He will change the law for you. Oh, mighty king, nobody should pray to God or anybody for 30 days except you. He says, bring the pen, bring the seal. Order is passed. But this entire law is against one man. Against one man. Verse 10 says, Now when Daniel knew the writing was signed, he went home in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. He knelt down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks to God. My question, were in there other Israelites, sons of Judah in that land? What happened to them? They had no restrainer Inside. They had restrainers outside. 
So when that was there, they all stopped praying. They all stopped praying. But there was one man. The law was in his heart. He had, a, he had the spirit of God in his heart. He said, I'm sorry. No law can stop me from doing what is right in God's eyes. Are you getting the picture? The laws may change outside, but you don't change according to the laws. You change according to what God says you are called to do. And there's a price to pay. You may go into the lion's den. It is not guaranteed every time you go into the lion's den that lions won't kill you. Don't make Daniel's life as an example. Women got their dead back from their loved ones back from the dead. Others did not. There is a there is this sovereignty of God. Power of iniquity. And the power of the restrainer. And ultimately the restrainer is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will be lifted from here. And the Antichrist will be revealed. And the world will be given over to him. That's what we call rapture. And we are moving towards that day. Very fast, we're moving towards that day. If you have doubts, look at Revelation 13, 3 to 7. I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded and his deadly wound was healed. And All the world marveled and followed the beast. First thing he will do is what he has never been able to do is a resurrection. What makes Jesus stand apart? He died and he rose again. He will mimic a resurrection. People will say he also came back from the dead. And unlike Jesus, who revealed himself only to his disciples, he will reveal himself to all. So who will you believe? Next thing. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Thank God, only for three and a half years. Otherwise, God says nobody would survive under his rule. And then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. Who gave him power? The dragon. Who is the dragon? Satan. Who did he give power to? The beast. Who is the beast? The Antichrist. It's coming. That is what they are talking about, the global reset. What was the global reset? We started in 2020. What was the entire pandemic about? A trial run. How to people in control. COVID was released and draconian laws were brought in and people were beaten if they dare to step outside. Wear a mask. Stay inside. It's a trial run. The Congress in China is over. She has got his third term and lockdown has begun in China again. Cities, entire cities are being locked down. They don't care. They are what, what they want to say is that you will bend your knee before us. Otherwise, we will teach you. Teach you. It's, it's, it's a global reset that is taking place. Unless God changes something, we are on the way down. But we still hope in God that God will give show mercy and give us some time. You need to realize this cannot happen unless you believe a lie. 
why why is why is why was there so much censoring why was there a crushing of social media because people don't hear they're all into social media so if you control what you hear the one who controls is the one who is controlling you are you getting the picture people go by social media facebook whatsapp twitter all controlled by them until the bird became free last week. I don't know how free the bird is. That man is an unmoney, an crazy fellow. He is. He brought a sink and said, "Let it sink." <laughs> he's, he's Looney Tune, okay? He's the richest Looney Tune, but Looney Tune. Why do you think God says, "Those who have ears, let them hear"? You don't get your truth from social media. You get your truth from the prayer closet. You know what is true. You know what is fake news. You know what is real news. Real news is how heaven sees it. That is real. It is eternal. It's not governments that decide fake news. It's God who decides. And we've been blasted with fake news. And much of true news have been suppressed. Till today, they haven't told you the dangers of vaccination. They will never release the data who has died more, those through COVID or those through vaccinations. They will not release it. That is why I told you people, if you take it, you're forced to take it. One, go for the one which was made in India, which is not MRCNA. Second, if you have no choice, then plead the blood. Because it is written, even if you take poison, it shall not harm you. You need to be able to stand on something that is eternal, that is off from God. Lord, you know, I have no choice. I have to take it, but I stand on your word. You said if I take poison, it will not harm you. So I'm taking it. It will not harm me. But Lord, I pray, give me the freedom, the liberty not to take it. But if I come to that point, come to that point, and he will say, yes, is there a precedent? I say, yes. Who is that? It is Naman. When Naman is healed and is going back, he takes a few donkeys full of earth from Israel. And when he goes back, he tells Elisha, I have to go to the temple of my king. I have no choice. I am his servant. I have to go. And when he, he goes in, he will bow. When he bows as a servant, I have to bow. Let not the Lord hold it against me. But I am taking this earth. You know why? Because in the backyard, I want to have an altar made from the earth of Israel to sacrifice to the God of Israel. I'm not saying that is always the way. Listen to God. Listen to God. Be careful. Because they don't care. They don't care. After the pestilence came the war. After war is coming famine. It is coming. And the nations that will be hardest hit are the western nations. You know why? Because their winter kills. Europe is running out of gas. US is running out of diesel. Because there's a fool sitting in the White House which won't allow their fossil fuels to be used. Because they want people to die and not love. And you need to be able to stand there and say, Lord, it is written, and I will believe and speak. I shall not die, but love and declare the works of the Lord. What do you stand on? What do you have to stand on? Do we know they are after everybody? One of the nations, is it Denmark or Sweden? Passed the law last week. Now, whether young people can choose euthanasia. 
assisted suicide. How did this world go so warped? They want to kill the baby in the womb. They want to kill the children. When they come out, fentanyl is killing their, in their tens and thousands. They want to kill the youth. They want to kill the old. Now they want to kill everybody. Whose agenda is this? Whose mind has gone so depraved and warped? Let me tell you. Let me tell you the truth about it. How warped your thinking is. Imagine you are, you are a mother. You are a woman who got pregnant. Okay, you got pregnant and you are in one of the states which legally allows you to abort the child up to the time of birth. Okay? And you are in your labor pangs and you decide, I don't want the baby. You go to one of these clinics, pro-choice clinics, and you know what? They kill the baby. Kill the baby. On the other hand, you have the baby and two days later, you decide... You don't want the baby. You take a knife and slice the baby. They will charge you for third degree or second degree or first degree murder. Where did you get this idea from? That when it is at the time of birth, you can kill it. Two days later, we kill you are a murderer. What is the difference? How can you have such warped thinking? How can you have such a warped thinking? You know what? They switch the law and will change the time. There's a lot of people in U.S. If the Democrats win seats, you know why? It is not because there is not inflation. It is not because crime is rising. It is not people are losing jobs. It is not because of any of these things. It is because of one issue. One issue they will tell. They're taking you the right for the woman to choose autonomy over her body, which means to kill your baby. That's a right? thought that was a responsibility to bear your children. One issue. They have only one issue. You listen to the news. Every place they are drumming that over and over and over and over again. My body, my choice. Really? That's what I said. At every point in time, you will have to make this decision. Who owns you? God says, your body is my body. I made you, I created you, and I redeemed you. You will have to give account one day. Do not know the power of iniquity. It ultimately becomes depravity. That's what law. The law is the outward restrainer. But what enforces is the spirit of God. And what you see is the spirit of God is starting to withdraw. And as the spirit of God is withdrawing, laws around the world are being changed to fit into an agenda and to a narrative which is anti-life and pro-death. Where do you stand? Where do you stand? You need to understand when there is no outside restrainer and there is no inside restrainer. Do you know what happens? From Genesis 1 to Genesis 6, 10 generations, there is no government. There is no government. Government comes in Genesis 9. After Noah comes out, government and laws are being given. Remember? So you have 10 generations without governments, therefore no codified laws. You know what? By the time you come to the 10th generation, you know what this is? Every thought and inclination of man is evil. And the earth was full of violence. Why? No restrainer outside. No restrainer inside. One man has a restrainer inside. Therefore the Bible says, he feared God and he had favor with God and he walked before God because he had a restrainer inside and nobody had. Do you know what will happen if the laws are changed? You don't have a restrainer inside. We will be the worst of the scum on earth. 
That is why the mercy of God. If you do not understand the power of iniquity, you will never appreciate the mercy of God. Because that's who you and I are. We will be the worst of scumbags on earth if God did not show mercy. We are no different than anybody else. It's by the mercy and the mercy of God alone we are saved. That's why the writer of Lamentation says, Great is your faithfulness and your mercies are new every morning. Iniquity. Power of iniquity. We need to understand. And God's solution. Be born again. You are not God. That's the lie. You are God. I will make rational decisions. God says, you don't have any idea what your decisions are. You do not have the knowledge of what is good and evil. You cannot be the arbiter of good and evil. I am. That's the lie. All of us think we are little gods. When it happens, when somebody who is above you, who can speak into your life, says, do this, you will say, I will not. And the rebel in you comes out. Rebel in you comes out. Settle with that issue. God is my honor. God is my honor. I belong to God. He created me. And then he bought me with that precious blood of his son. Not with gold or silver. His son had to be bruised for my iniquity. He had to be whipped. He had to hang on the cross. All for so that I could be forgiven. And delivered out of the power of iniquity. Lord, I am yours. So John, God's solution. John 1.12 says, As many as received him. Not what he said. Salvation is a receiving of a person. The complete person. The birth, the work, the death, and the resurrection of that person. That entire person is who you receive. Lord, I believe you are born of the virgin. That you are born of God. You are not born of man. If you are born of man, you can't handle my iniquity. You are born of God. I accept your birth. Two, I accept your work. You were tempted at all points, but you never sinned. You lived a perfect, pure, holy, righteous life on earth, not for yourself, for me. I accept your work as my work. Two, you died, and through death, you conquered death. And the fear of death through which Satan held all mankind bondage. I believe in your death. But still it is not enough. Because if you did not rise from the dead, then sin is more powerful. Death is more powerful. But you rose again. Lord, I believe in this and this alone. I will not trust my works. I will not trust in myself. There is nothing good in me. Wretched man that I am. Who will save me? God says, I will. I will. That is salvation. A personal, one-on-one encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. That is salvation. It is not an ideology. Ideologies don't save people. They make them more warped than before. Because the most powerful ideology in this world is called communism, which is sweeping America and under another name called socialism. More people have been killed by communism than any all religions put together. 
The last count, communism has killed 2 billion people to sustain their ideology. Ideologies don't save. God saves. As many as who received him, he gave them what? The right to become the children. Oh Lord, my DNA has changed. My DNA has changed. I do not have to work under the power of iniquity anymore because there is a change of fatherhood. It's a change of fatherhood. You cannot visit the iniquity of the father anymore upon myself because my father is God without iniquity. Now I have equity, balance with God. My life has come back to balance. I don't care what the world says. Now I see the world different. The world is upside down. I am right side up. Iniquity has been taken care of. That's the first step. He has given us the power, the authority to become the sons of God. Daughters of God. Change of parenthood. Change of nature. A new heart I have given you. Second thing, he says there in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, in Christ, you are in him now. It's a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. Everything has become new. All things have passed away. The awesomeness of this new birth. And if you are outside the kingdom, it doesn't matter how kosher you are according to the law like Nicodemus. You will still not understand. This Nicodemus you will not understand. Unless you are born again, Nicodemus say, at this age, can I go back to my mother's womb and come out? He says, Nicodemus, Nicodemus. You are a teacher of Israel. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. Flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God. They won't understand. They won't understand. They won't understand. The Jesus is the new creation. We are in him. Took us, put us in him. You have two choices. This is ships sailing from UK to US. The ship sailing. You can stay in the ship. There will be storms. There will be cyclones. There will be rough waves. All that. Stay in the ship. You will reach side. Or you can swim. It's your choice. How do you want to go? God says, the end is coming. The whole world is hurtling towards a destination. You can stay in my son. You are safe. There will be storms. There will be rough weather. The winds will be contrary. On the other side, they will be thinking it is nice weather. Nothing is contrary. But the end is determined. Stay in my son. Stay in. And every ministry of the word is like. Without power steering, trying to get you back into Christ. Because six days you wandered in the world. And then we have to come and get you back into Christ. Get in, stay in. Get in, stay in. The end is coming. By missing the world, you are losing nothing. Eyes haven't seen, no ears heard what God is preparing for those who love him forever and ever. At his right hand is pleasures forevermore and 
fullness of joy. You can't. There's no comparison. Absolutely no comparison. That's what God says. You cannot even imagine what is waiting for you. You don't lose ever with God. You can't lose. Oh, there is no fun. He says, you have no idea what fun is. You have no idea what fun is. That's forever. Or one or two days. So God is showing us. He's teaching us something. He says, get into my son. The son becomes the way. And he also shows us and teaches us the way through his life, the Holy Spirit. So if you go to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 7, and then Hebrews 5, 8. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. He says, have this attitude. Here, mind means attitude. You should have this attitude. Primarily, he says, you can be born into the kingdom of God. But if you want to grow and mature, get this attitude. Attitude matters. In the kingdom of God. What is his attitude? Who being the form of God. Did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. He, he was God. But what did he do? He made himself of no reputation. Meaning if he had been living now. He wouldn't have been in social media. He wouldn't have checked how many followers. He did not want a reputation. He didn't care two hoots. What people said about him. Because he was more concerned about what his father said about him. Made himself of no reputation. Taking the form of a willing born servant. He was God. Became a servant. Have this attitude. Who am I? I'm a servant. I'm a servant. I'm here to serve. Serve my father's purposes. I'm a servant. Second Hebrews 5 and verse 8. Though he was a son, he learned obedience by things which he suffered. If you are a ghost. If you are the son of God and you live in a world that is contrary and hostile to God, you will suffer but never question your sonhood. You are still a son. You are a servant but you are a son. You are a son but you are a servant. As many as who received him, he gave them the authority to become what? Son, learn obedience. You are a son who will learn obedience but you are a servant. You are a servant. You are a co-heir with Christ Jesus. Go air with Christ Jesus, but suffer. Be a servant. Get this mind. Get this mind. Get this mind. Hebrews 3, 1 and 2 and 5 and 6. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and the high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him as Moses also was faithful in all his house. That's why it matters who is your honor, who is your Lord. You know why? I have to be faithful to him. So when a decree was passed for 30 days, nobody can pray. Daniel went, opened his windows, and he knelt down, he prayed, because he was faithful to who owned him. The king didn't own his soul. God did. Faithful. Verse 5 and 6. Moses was indeed faithful in all his house as a servant. For a testimony of those things which will be spoken afterward. But Christ as a son over the house. So those pictures, Moses and Jesus, we are called to be faithful as a son and faithful as a servant. That's what happened when Miriam and Aaron, his elder brother and sister, went against him. God came and told them, how dare you? Do you know my servant Moses is the most faithful in all my house. 
You cannot be faithful unless you know who your master is. Because faithful to us too is a person and to what he has said. So when the loss of a nation changes against the loss of God, who will you be faithful to? Who will you be faithful to? Because that's coming. It's already come in many countries. It's already there. Who will you be faithful to? Depends upon who your master is. Caesar or God? Who is your master? You have asked these questions. 2 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have this ministry, we have received mercy. We do not lose heart. No, no, no. First Corinthians. Sorry, not second. First Corinthians. Let me take a sip. Got it? So let a man so consider as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Do you know who you are? Son, servant. Daughter, servant. Equation. Daughter plus servant is equal to steward. Steward. Steward of what? The mysteries of God. The mysteries of iniquity. The mystery of godliness. You are a steward. You are a steward of the mysteries of God. Do you know that we are? We are stewards. Steward means he is the owner. I am in charge. That's all. But I am in charge. It belongs to him. The whole earth belongs to him. Everything in earth belongs to him. And I belong to him. So when I stand before him, I have to give an account of my stewardship. And it, moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. One is found faithful. This is the fundamental concept children of God has to learn. I am born of God. He's given me the authority to be the child of God. And what am I? I'm his son. I'm his daughter. I'm his servant. And therefore, I'm his steward. And as a steward, God has given me three things in life. First, he has given me time. And I don't know how much time. Nobody knows how much time. It does not matter. He's given me time. Two, he has given me abilities. Third, he has given me resources. I have to account for these three. When I stand before God, God says, I gave you 30 years on earth. What did you do? What did you do? John the Baptist had only 30 years on earth. In 30 years, Jesus said, all that is born of man, woman, that is the greatest. Only 30 years. Six months of ministry. 30 years on earth. And God said, the greatest in the old covenant. So time is irrelevant. Ability. What was his ability? He never healed one. He never s- delivered anybody from demons. He never took an offering. Nothing. And he was given a most, most, what do you call it? Repeated message. Repent for the kingdom of God is here. Repent for the kingdom of God is here. That's all. How long do you want to preach? 52 Sundays you want to preach the same message? Yes. Why? Because he told me so. I'm a servant. I'm a steward. I'm the steward of the mystery of God. What is the mystery, John the Baptist, that has been given to you? The mystery of repentance. Every 
every hill shall be brought down. Every valley shall be filled. Every rough road shall be made smooth. That is my job. What is that? The ministry of repentance. So the prince of glory can come into the lives of people. And he was not moved by crowds. He was moved by numbers. Crowds came into the wilderness to hear. He said, why do you come to me, you brood of vipers? Oh, we look at crowds and we get fascinated because we are seeing offerings, offerings, offerings. Not a man like that. Are you a steward? Wherever you are working, wherever you are studying, are you a steward? Will anybody recognize you? This is a child of God. This is a child of God. This is a son of God. Are you a steward of his life? Pharaoh saw Joseph. Listen to this Hebrew boy who was in prison for 13 years and is brought before him. And he said, you know what? Verily, the spirit of the living God speaks through him. The emperor who put Daniel into the prison comes and says, Daniel, servant of the most high God, whom you serve continuously, has your God kept you alive? He knew him. Whose servant he was. He didn't say, Daniel, servant of the most high emperor. He says, most mighty God. I know who you serve continually. You serve me occasionally, but you serve your God always. Do we have? Can we stand before God one day? Are we on the right road that we can give an account for our time? That's what I said. When you wake up, the first battle is with time. First battle is when will I wake up? Today I woke up at 2.38. And I'm standing here more awake than any one of you. And I can go till evening. Because I know who my honor is. I know to whom I have given my life. And I will never back out. I have put my hand on the plow. There is no turning back. And that's what we all sang. It's what we all sang at many times. When I baptized most of you, when you came out of the water, what did I tell you? Be faithful unto death. What did Christ tell the church in Smyrna? The devil is going to put many of you in prison. You're going to die there. You're not going to come out. Be faithful unto death. Do you know who you are? Do you know who you belong to? Do you know what God has given you? Can we be faithful? No reputation. No reputation. We are not out here for fame. We are not here to show our celebrity status. We are not here to show off our gifts. We are here to be a channel. That's what I pray this morning to Lord. Let me be just a channel through whom you can flow. Let them see you and not James. James is not worthy of seeing. You are. If I lift James, people will run away. But if I lift you, people will be drawn to you. I want to lift Christ. Only Christ can save. James has never saved anybody, healed anybody, delivered anybody, and will not. But Christ will. Whose reputation do you want? Yours or Christ? Are you a steward? Even my wife doesn't know this is my seventh day of fasting. I mean, she doesn't know. I'm telling her now. She doesn't. Because he said, go ahead and break it today. I said, okay, I'll break it today. That's why I'm telling you. Otherwise, I wouldn't have told you. Because I'll eat lunch with you. Did anybody know Anna? There was a woman. 
seven years from our virginity, a widow, 84 years old, living in the temple, never going out, given her life over fastings and prayers. What a woman. She's a widow probably for 80 years. She has no husband. She has no children. She doesn't go out of the temple. She's probably in the widow's quarters, eating of whatever is given over there. But she has given her life over to what? Fasting and prayer. She made use of her time and her ability and her resources. When Mary and Joseph comes holding a 40-year-old child in their hand, a baby in their hand, the revelation comes to her. That is the redemption Israel is waiting for. Why? Because she was a steward of God's life. The mystery of the incarnate Christ was revealed to this woman. And the high priest is there. The priests are there. The Levites are there. Everything is going on in the temple in his name. And they do not know the king has come into this temple. But this woman knows. Why? Because she was a steward. She was a steward. Are you a steward? Are you a steward? That's the whole thing. You can be like John the Baptist. One gift. Just one gift. The Bible records in Luke 180, he was in the wilderness until he was revealed. Can you live in the wilderness, away from the public eye? You are not bothered what man, but you know who called you, and you're waiting for the day he will send you. How many years in the wilderness? 30 years. Can you live like that for 30 years? Then on the 30th year, God says, step out. And it is written specifically, the word of the Lord came by passing four kings, two high priests, and came into the wilderness to John. So it does not matter where you are. You need to be where God wants you. The word of God will find you. It will find you. If you are where God wants you. Because he was a steward. And he was given six months of ministry. And at the end of that ministry, his head was brought in a platter and presented to a young girl who danced. And the king in his drunkenness swore. And the mother wanted his head, her his head. That is the end of John's ministry. Jesus said, do you know that? That was the greatest of all women born under the old covenant. And the Bible says, when his voice was silenced, Jesus stood up and he preached Repent, the kingdom of God is here. Then they took my savior, your savior, nailed him on the cross, and he hung over there. He was bruised for my iniquity, my sin, my transgression. He went down. He came up after three days. He only showed himself to his disciples. And then 120 stood before the crowd and said, Repent, for the kingdom is God. This voice of God cannot be silenced. You kill one, ten will rise. You kill ten, hundred and twenty will rise. Because if it is of God, it cannot be destroyed. No power on earth, no power in heaven has the power to still the voice of God. And one day, the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of God. This is what you and I have to think. I am a steward, Lord. I am a steward. Make me faithful. Faithful to what you have called me. With the gift you have given me, I'll be faithful with my time, with my ability, with my resources. 
Whatever you have given me is on the altar. Because I came with nothing. Everything that I have, I am grateful. You gave it to me. When I go, I take nothing. The Bible says, some people, the works will go ahead of them. Pray, Lord, may my works go ahead of you and be pleasing in your sight. That's what is written. When Stephen is being stoned to death, the first martyr in the church, the Bible says, he said, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing. But that is not what is written. What is written is Jesus overcame death, rose to heaven, and sat on the right hand side of the Father. But when Stephen died and his soul was getting ready to come to heaven, Jesus stood up. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Come, enter into my joy. That's my God who stands up for his servants because he said, when the master comes, if he finds you doing what he called you to do, he himself will gird his loins with his towel and he will minister unto you. That same God stood up for Stephen because you are faithful. Faithful. We sing grateful, grateful, grateful. But we also need to sing, Lord, make me faithful, faithful, faithful. Faithful. Understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God. It is getting closer and closer and closer and closer. My prayer is, all those who have ears, let them hear what the Spirit of God is saying. There is no more time to play the fool. Because they are after our children, the born and the unborn. I get great joy when I see the little ones. I love children. But I'm terrified when I see the world they are growing up in. Lord, will our children survive? Will our children survive the world in which they are growing in? Will they survive? Our prayer, my prayer every day is, Lord, our children, let them grow knowing you. As you grow in wisdom, in stature, finding favor with God, favor with man. Lord, let them grow that. Put a hedge of protection around them. Let them not stray. Let them not fall prey to the wiles, the devices of the enemy. Because that's what Paul says. It is not that we are unaware of the wiles of the devil. Be wise. Be smart. There is a system that is after your soul. The king of Sodom, his name was Bera. He came and told Abraham, Take the wealth. Give me the souls. If your prosperity is at the cost of your witness, you are guilty of souls. You are guilty of souls. In the kingdom of God in eternity, those who are counted multi-billionaires are those who brought souls into the kingdom and not money. Because gold in heaven is used to pave the streets. But those, Daniel said, turn people into righteousness. They shall shine like stars. Count your wealth in souls. Count your wealth. 
You cannot save people, but you can be a witness. And to be a witness, your prayer should be John's prayer. Father, my prayer is, I will decrease and he will increase. Help me to die that he may love. Help me to die that you may love each day. Shall we stand this morning in the house of God? Shall we stand and just surrender? By standing, I'm only asked you to stand because I don't want to embarrass you. Okay? Because surrender is a personal thing. It's a personal thing. Just because you stand, it does not mean you surrendered. Only God knows. Only God knows. Only God knows. The last Sunday of October. In the two days, the 11th month is beginning. Can we stand with surrender? In your heart, can you say, Lord, I don't understand everything pastor said today. But Lord, I know one thing. You are good. You are good. And I'm surrendering myself today. Just help me, Lord. Oh, Lord, just help me. Just help me, Lord. I surrender. I am weak, but you are strong. I'm not even promising I can do all this. On the other hand, I'm acknowledging I can do nothing without you. But all I can do is come to you this morning and surrender. And each one, many of you from non-believing homes, say, Lord, I stand in the gap. You look for one man to stand in the gap. Lord, I will be that one man, that woman, for that unbelieving family of myself. I stand in the gap. You will suffer. If you stand in the gap, I am telling you, you will suffer. But be willing for the sake of souls. Joseph stood in the gap. He was the fourth generation. And he broke the iniquity over his family. And God made him a father over his own father and his elder brothers. Say, Lord, I will stand in the gap today. Lord, I am crying out for souls today. My home, my children, grandchildren, my father, my grandfather, my uncles, my aunts, nephews, nieces, all of all, all, all. Stand in the gap and cry today. Lord, here I stand. I surrender, Lord. Let the iniquity be broken in me. Let it not be passed on, Father. Let it be not passed. I stand and in the name of Jesus, I break it. I look unto him and I realize, oh Lord, you were bruised for my iniquity. Make it personal. Salvation is a very personal thing. It's not our. That's God speaking. You and I say, my iniquity. Lord, you were bruised for my iniquity. And I was forgiven because my transgression And my sins were put on you. Your soul was poured out as an offering to the Father. And he was pleased by that offering. I stand today, Lord. I receive that work of your Son on the cross. Come, Lord Jesus, into my life. Come in and take over. You are not a guest. You are the Lord. You are the master of my home. I gave you the keys of the house. I gave you the reins of my life. Come, Lord, and take over. I know you are good. I know your plans for me are good. I know my end is good. I know eyes and ears haven't heard what you're preparing for us. I receive your complete work in me, Lord. Teach me to surrender one day at a time. Help me to understand your word. 
I acknowledge the authority of your word even before I understand it. Because you spoke it. And I come under the lordship of your Holy Spirit. Lead me, Spirit of God. For it is written, as many as were led by the Spirit are the sons and daughters of the living God. Lead me, Lord, one day at a time. Father, I come in the church into the hands. Everyone here, everyone listening online, around the world, everyone. We cling to nothing but the cross. We put our trust in nothing but the blood of Jesus. We are standing on the rock that cannot be shaken. Stand on the rock. Put a wall of fire around your people. No power of darkness. No power of evil. No sorcery. No incantation. No witchcraft. No obey. Nothing will come through for your children. I bind the stealers of the destiny of your children in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I command the powers of darkness, loose God's people. Leave. Because the price has been paid in full on the cross. They are blood-bought, blood-covenanted children of the living God. One Lord, one Master we know. We are sons, we are daughters, we are servants, Teach us to be faithful stewards of life, O oh Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Now by faith, we lift up holy hands. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. And we stand here in your house, in your presence, and we declare to every power of darkness and the angelic host, Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. And God's people said, Amen. By the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you.